You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Why, hello! And welcome to issue. 559 of Geek in the City on Radio. I'm coming to you live from the USS Discovery, Aaron Duran. I'm coming to you from my house in Portland, Oregon, Benarita. <laughs> and Cable will be joining us momentarily. But our special guests this week are... Greg and Lindsay. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's doing all right. Yeah. Doing all right. Hanging Doing out. Well. Trying to stay cool. Staying hydrated. Hydrated. Yeah. Sweaty. Gross. <laughs> all the things you want to know all about. Yes. Sweaty and gross. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, Your crafts. Uh, Bean, how are you doing this week? Uh, not great. Right. Uh, you got you guys already know, but just I guess to just generally put it out there. Because I haven't really been talking about it. Uh, my grandmother passed away Sunday morning. That's the news I woke up to. Uh, and uh, it's because of COVID and because of where they live, it was not feasible to be there in time for any sort of funeral services, which is, which happened the next evening. Um, so that really, really sucks. Uh, I blame Trump. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to... For not being able to visit, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, e- even... I, I mean, there that's the situation in another country. Uh, but, like, getting to that part of Mexico is, like, almost a full 24-hour endeavor. Um, it's just that, like, right now, you aren't really allowed to wait on funeral services, uh, especially right. if there's any chance that it was COVID-related. And even though this is not confirmed there was like a small percentage chance that it was. Uh, I think they categorized it that way because she had trouble. She suddenly had started having trouble breathing, um, which, you know, right now that's the first thing you would, anyone would think of is like, oh, it's probably COVID, but she had been on oxygen for years. So, right. Um, but yeah, so that's that. And I can't like for the first time in my life, I could like, I have like financially and like lifestyle wise, I actually could have dropped everything and gone out there to to be there 
uh, and it's just not feasible for a bunch of other reasons that are totally out of my control. Right. It's because our government has handled this so horribly that Trump finally got his wall. It just is working in the other direction. We can't yeah. leave the country. Nobody wants us. And I actually, we can them. leave. We have nowhere we're allowed to go. Yeah. yeah. We just okay. fucking go out into international waters, become a citizen of nothing. Oh no. What's that country? Um, is it, it's not sea world. That's a music park park. But there's a sea land. Yeah, sea land. They're they're old like World War II refueling stations off the coast of England that like in the 60s or 70s got like bought by this like eccentric group of people and they declared themselves a sovereign nation. And they're literally these man-made islands. I have never heard of this before. It's it's, it's a trippy weird thing. The Principality of Sealand, or sealandgov.org. Um, I'd rather just start my own, though. Like, what if what if we just what if we just start our own? I like that. Where do you want to put it first? Let's pick a region. Uh, I would say let's let's stay off of the Pacific coast, but maybe go a little further north. That way, we can uh, get away from summer again. Because I did come to the PNW to escape the concept of summer. And it has, over the decade and a half that I've been here, caught up with me. So now I just need to keep pushing on northward. You could arguably also go really far south, too, right? That's true. That's true. I would just take it the other way around. Uh, Thank you. To hey. go, uh, take to the Antarctic. Cable's joining us. Cable, we're talking about forming our own country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's like, there's, like, nobody in Antarctica, right? Yeah, but that has no one that you know. <laughs> we know it's in Antarctica. They just refuse to re- uh, reveal the truth about it. Mm. Well, there's a uh, there's a couple interesting um, interesting islands up uh, between Russia and and Alaska. I'm sure, some of those uh, taken yet. I don't know if I want to be that close to Russia right now. Yeah. Um, Hold on, let I me mean, pull up a world map here. As much as I love the Pacific Northwest, like, what if we hang out kind of around, you know, the, the Newfoundland region, kind of up on that Atlantic coast there? Oof. I mean, that means no more Dungeness crab, which would be a real bummer. No, There's I'm so out. many other kinds of crab, though. <laughs> Greg's like, fuck it. There's other crab. I was not, not as good. Here's here's a thought. What if we just took over this one? There's a bunch of people that are terrible in this. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Now. Even if we can yeah. take it over, we're with still like fifty percent asshats. So yeah. yeah. Oh wait, here comes but, Cable's little vicious but, streak. I know where he's going with but this. But they they target themselves well. Oh no, this is just where I get into the the same realm as uh, Thanos and um, Rachel Ghoul and. You know, any of those other uh, comic book villains where it's like, there's an easy way to do that. You just get rid of half of the people. Right. Or 10% or whatever. What no, percentage half. are we all, what percentage <laughs> are we at right now? Just, just out of curiosity. Like what is 50%. I would do away with 50% of this planet. That'd be fine. I'm just curious how, 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 how far we've gotten this year. Yeah, but is it is it Not random or do we pick? See, 
and this is the trick. If it's random, then anyone is fair game and it feels more like you're giving everyone a fair shake and everyone gets a reset and they can all t- take it. If you decide, then you're a supervillain. Yeah. You're, you're... And, and I already have the haircut for it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, so, and I already technically live on a volcano. That you do. <laughs> that you do. But you know, like... I read that Tabor is, could actually theoretically become active again. Yeah. I read that too. It's, it's considered... not like fully dormant. It's napping. Yeah. Well, dormant <laughs> means dead volcanoes don't turn back on. A dormant one is, is yeah, napping. Oh, no, you're right. That is Deep right. sleep. It's a heavy nap, but... It's but in the, the day, Yeah, the day that Mount Hood goes is when it's going to trigger uh, Tabor. Yeah. yeah. Chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think we would... I think... Well, not all of Portland... But I think uh, most of the east side and Gresham are within range of the pyroclastic cloud. Because <laughs> that's what, 80 miles, depending on the boom? Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, Who the watched day, Dante's Peak? Yeah, right. <laughs> and the day on the purpose? goes. How um, dare you? I love that movie. Coincide uh, somewhere with, uh, with the big earthquake that's supposed to mm-hmm. rock up here. I think it'll just be a, a you know, domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. Slippage and everything just just comes and then, up. Don't forget the Yellowstone super volcano. Uh, yeah. I haven't forgotten. Yeah. The yeah. charges are ready. <laughs> <laughs> you super, are super villain. Super villain. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So that's something to remember. Is probably don't want to be close to um, any fault lines. For new, of, our new civilization, if you're on the water, if you're on the water, <laughs> like if you're on the water, it's not as big of a deal. If you're on an island, it is a bigger deal. Yeah, it is the biggest deal. Yeah. The the real bummer is that the most beautiful lands are also by the most geologically unstable. Also, oh, that's true. I mean, it's there's a beautiful last. Sarah. Also, a lot of them already belong to somebody. Leave they, those right. pe- leave those people Noah. alone. What if we just take them back? Well, when, when I say they belong to somebody, I mean the indigenous people. Right. I'd say we should take our places back, but then we're back to being hot and sweaty. None of us want that. I, yeah, that's that's the real son of a bitch. It's like, <laughs> I would really love for you to give back the other half of Mexico, but also I don't want that part of Mexico. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, we all got up here because we didn't want to be there anymore. This is hot. It's so hot. I'm complaining now, and I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I gotta say, though, uh, I I probably watched that video uh, about a dozen times of the hurricane blowing down the wall. It was deeply Uh, satisfying. I don't know how I missed Mm -hmm. that one. I mean, I heard about it, but I never... Soothing. It's nice. I mean, we could just move to to Iceland. Uh, So, uh, Beatrice in the chat is, says, uh, fuck it, let's invade Venezuela. Um... Still hot. She says it is currently a nice 78 degrees. Whoa. Uh, Beatrice, what is the, um, what's the humidity like? That's the real clincher. Yeah. <laughs> this takes a lot of product and it's still. <laughs> 
Oh, and oh, I guess yeah. there's there are discussions about like since since the family couldn't really get together uh, for funeral, uh, there there are talks of oh you missed a cable. My grandmother passed away. Uh, I'm sorry that's to what, hear that. That's what we're on about. Um, <laughs> there was talk about getting together next year on her birthday uh, to scatter her ashes in her hometown, which is in Venezuela. That's on the Gulf side. So I can scope that out. I don't really know anything about the climate, but it can't be any worse than here. Well, I think if you're on the coast, you'd be okay. Because it's basically on the southern area of the Caribbean. (laughs) Kind of. Was she from like Caracas? Uh, All I know is Venezuela. Not Venezuela. God damn it. Uh, Stupid chat. Uh, Veracruz. Oh, well, that's not Venezuela. No. Sorry, that's, that's no. Still no one, no one in my family is from Venezuela. I just got I was like, my, wait a minute, I didn't know you. I got were all like my Spanish B words jumbled up together. No, uh, Beatrice is talking about us invading Venezuela. Oh, uh, man, my family got, is talking about going to Veracruz. Like, I want to help her out, but that place has got a lot of problems. I mean, we're not far off. We also, man, there's if we there's, take it over. Yeah, if we take it over, we'll you know make it the way we like it. They're also so close to Brazil. They'll have which is also a shit show. I lived in Brazil for about a year. So this is why the plan is you do away with uh, 50% of the population and you overthrow the rest of it. Everything is a shit show. You have to take all of it over all at once, redistribute everything. The world is a mess. Not that I think about this all the time. No, not at all. Yeah. I used to, but now I just think about finishing this damn script. Yep, that's that's fair. Priorities. You take over the world for a while, Cable. I'll jump in later and help out. I've been trying. I've been for been trying. What would our jobs be? We all need to be minister of something. Yeah, see, that's the thing is I'm less of an invader and more of a reconstructionist. So, uh... Hmm. You're in charge of everybody that we're keeping from the current administrations globally um, and letting them do all of the things that they've been trying to do now but can't. Okay, that sounds perfect. Because the people will need them once that, like, the whole point of global dictatorship is you take everything over, you fix everything, and then you give the people enough time to then overthrow you once the actual systems that you want in place are in place. I don't survive this scenario, by the way. Oh, okay. Excellent like, pragmatism there. I, I get like a 10, 15 year tops. Uh, and then the people overthrow me and I have to be killed in the streets. It's fine. That The point of this is not me getting to take over everything. It's to fix everything. What happens to the people that overthrow you though? Because then they won't they not be tempted by the same thing. No, no, the people that we work with now, so the people that want a better world, those are the people you bring in, and they come in with the understanding of they're in charge of uh, the revolution. We don't have to kill you. We can just put you on an island like Dr. Moreau. Oh, I'll have done things by them that will, yes, I will have to be killed. I'll be the last person you that anyone will have to kill. Like Highlander. Because I'm beheading motherfuckers left and right. So you would be like Highlander. Yes. <laughs> oh, so you'd be like the Kurgan. Mm-hmm. He has to do the necessary. Yep. It's better to burn it out than to fade away. Guillotine. <laughs> it's planet-wide. 
15 teens, as far as the eye can see. Yep. Uh, and I'll I bet you can guess which which person is going into the guillotine face up. <laughs> I want him to see it coming. <laughs> it's vicious uh, and I love it. What else are we talking about today? Well, I think we were going to talk about D&D, weren't we? Yeah. We're yeah, we, we, we have one very specific thing that we're going to discuss today. Yeah. <laughs> Building character. It's war. I have, a, yeah. I have a thing that okay. we can talk about real quick. I know, I bought mine too. <laughs> this came out last Friday. I, so, bought, one, I bought one too. You did? You did. I had no idea. I had no idea. I walked in and saw like, oh, a Scooby-Doo board game. And then I saw, wait, wait, Mystery Mansion. And then I saw the Avalon Hill in the corner. I was like, wait a minute, what? Yep. So this was announced uh, at the beginning, at the end of the last year, I think it was. Um, How did we miss talking about it? I don't know. I I, I don't, maybe I wanted to keep it as a surprise. I don't know. Um, Anyway, this is a, this is a brand new Betrayal at House on the Hill. It is definitely designed for uh, younger players and for um, new new people to Betrayal who maybe need less of a learning curve that Betrayal has in that none of the characters can die. So well, That's cool. Yeah, unlike Betrayal where your characters end up dying, um, Scooby characters only get stunned because you're clearly in a G-rated version of it. Right. Um, the, they kind of messed up, but it was like, yeah, and Shaggy got disemboweled by a werewolf. Right, right. Fucking zoinks, yo. Um, <laughs> the, when it comes time to trigger the haunt, uh, once the haunt's been triggered, someone at the table can actively volunteer to be the monster. So if someone feels like they're better at it than the person that who would have been picked, they can go I'll totally do it. You can also read both rule books together once you've started the haunt so that both sides know what's going on. There's still some script that the monster just reads themselves. It's usually the the end game where they get to say they got away with it and and did all these things, or they get to say that, and I would have gotten away with it too if they hadn't been for those meddling kids and their dog. So every monster is, is inevitably if, if the, if the, if the, you know, Gang wins. Uh, it's unmasked as like old man Perkins or whatever. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's a game where everyone who is doing harm, everyone who is trying to get away with some awful crime, is an old white man in a mask. Yep. I like how some of the Irishification in the chat says, "Please tell me that instead of the haunt is replaced with now, let's see who you really are." <laughs> <laughs> Do each of the characters have, like, uh, an ability or something? Kind of, like... So here's the fun thing. I'm going to unbox this. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Um, and then we'll roll into D&D. It'll be all yeah. games today. Cool. As you unbox this, I just want to remind people that it's still a crime that Wizards of the Coast and Avalon Hill have not at least been approached by CBS to have betrayal at Babel 1. Ooh. There is such a... You could turn this into a Star Trek-themed game so well. Yep. Yep. Betrayal. But no, to be betrayal at the Babel conference. Like that's where it always starts. Yep. Like that. Yeah. And you just build the space station one card at a time. I, I wanted to do one that was simply just space themed where it's uh, betrayal at space station 13. 
Yeah. I like that. Yep. So, because I finally played the Baldur's oh. Gate one, that one's fun. It is, right? Yeah. It's both betrayal and D and D. Yeah. Like they managed to hit that right blend. I was really happy with that. Still haven't fucking played my legacy, and I've owned it for almost two years now. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty sure um, mine's still in the plastic, which is embarrassing. <laughs> so you do get the punch outs for the characters. Um, but this is my copy, so Scooby Doo Lego. Scooby Doo Lego. Yeah. <laughs> which is better. <laughs> By the way, for those who don't know, Cable has been silently collecting like old discontinued horror miniature games. So that his copy of Betrayal doesn't use any tokens. He has miniatures for everything. Which is pretty amazing. One of these days, we'll be able to play it on the show. Will we, Cable? We will. We will. By hook or by crook. Or by, you know, when I take over using my orbital space laser. Um, Yeah. we, we'll be able to do it, and we'll be able to video it, and people can go, that's a lot of minis. So, <laughs> what's neat about the, the character cards for Scooby Betrayal is there are factoids that I have never before heard about the Scooby game. Uh, Velma is a puzzle-solving bookworm, which we all know. <laughs> yes. Her favorite things to do are weightlifting, reading up on mysteries and exploring new new places. Now, I, I, I got stuck at the weightlifting part and went, wait, what? But I kind of so, see it. Like, she's kind of means... got, got them beefy arms and them chonky thighs. So you know she How would you know? Legs. She's wearing, swe- she's wearing a sweater. That big-ass sweater is hiding guns that you would not believe. Yeah, see? And a six-pack that would shatter glass. <laughs> oh. And it would terrify Irma. I don't know. It feels like they kind of shoehorned that in there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it because I love a weightlifting nerd. There, there's there's a canonical um, evidence to back this up in episodes where Velma is seen carrying the entire physically carrying the entire team. Away. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. right. Yeah. Good point. Um, Shaggy. Shaggy is a talented chef and ventriloquist. His favorite things to do are cooking, eating, and playing hide and not seek. Uh, he's a ventriloquist? <laughs> I remember episodes where he's done that, yeah. Like, this is stuff that fascinates me. I never knew this. Um, Daphne is a martial artist, motorcyclist, and excellent lock picker. Her, her favorite things to do are strategizing and surfing. We know nothing about this woman. <laughs> she's a rogue. Yeah, she is. Hey. They actually talk about a lot, not talk about, but they showed a lot about that in, um, when they brought, I think it was in the eighties, the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo in a weird way. It actually goes way into, um, Daphne's background Yep, about that. Yeah. And if you watch the, the new, newer stuff, uh, Scooby-Doo mystery incorporated, like you meet her, the, the entire Blake family. And right. she's like the youngest of three daughters, and all three daughters are accomplished in their fields. One's an astrophysicist, one's a surgeon, one is a, a Formula One race car driver. Is that also the one where Jeffrey Combs basically plays H.P. Yes. Lovecraft? It is. If yeah. you haven't watched it, 
It's on Netflix. It's totally worth it. I do agree with the criticism that Velma, Velma's characterization is completely off. Um, but they do so many interesting things with that show. Um, By the way, the Scuba movie, which I did purchase to buy, like, rent. Yeah. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah, I, I okay. uh, thought. It's I pretty didn't... good. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was interested in watching it. I am, too. Fred is a trap fanatic and novelist. I'm His sorry, favorite. did you say trap? Trap. Trap Like fanatic. the music style. <laughs> no. Yes. As in making traps. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I okay. suppose that makes more sense. Yep. <laughs> oh, I like yours. Uh, his favorite things to do are accessorizing, setting traps, and dancing. Um, knowing more about Fred just tells me that, that there's no way Fred or anyone else in in Mystery Incorporated is heterosexual. None of them are. I think Shaggy um, is uh, considered to be asexual, right? I've heard the same said about Fred, too. Hmm. They're all some form of queer. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's, it's just recently uh, was can't made canon or uh, like the directors of the most recent um, uh, cartoon was like, oh, no, Velma's totally... Uh, yes. Yep. I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> she's, totally no, she's canonically a lesbian now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also backed up by James Gunn because he, yes. when that started making the rounds, people were like, oh, so much retconning. He showed his first script from the original Scooby-Doo movie he wrote, and that's in there too, and they kept making him tone it down more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So eventually they, they just got rid of her having any relationships at all. Dumb. Yeah. The Scooby-Doo, I think, is the only one that didn't have any surprises. It's a talking Great Dane with a keen sense of smell. His favorite things to do are run and hide, eat Scooby snacks, and, well, eat anything for that matter. But I think what what I find strange is if you look at this illustration of Scooby, why does Scooby have a thumb? It's the only only way to grip a magnifying glass. Yeah. Uh, The Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. also has... I think one of my favorite episodes uh, and shows what they're trying to do with Scooby-Doo in that, in that um, he's fighting a robot version of himself that's evil. So Scooby-Doo was the mystery and that they found out it was a robot. They end up facing down with him and they basically rip off both uh, Terminator and aliens in that uh, Scooby puts on a power lifter in order to fight (laughs) robot Scooby. Um, during the fight, when he finally has him on the ropes, and like Scooby is cowardly until all of his friends are threatened, and then he's an attack dog, <laughs> which is weird. But as the robot dog is in the uh, in this machine press, about to be squished and turned into scrap metal, Scooby just utters the line right before pushing the button. It says, "Play dead." Pushes buttons, squishes dog, goes good dog, walks off. <laughs> it's like that was cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but really good. And by the way, if you can, if you can still find it, I'm sure it's in a collection now, like uh, in a graphic novel collection. Mm-hmm. But for a while, DC was putting out the Scooby Doo team up book, the comic, 
Oh. And the Scooby-Doo team up with Batman and Robin is amazing. There's actually a double page spread that has all of Mystery Incorporated and Batman and Robin. They're also all the men. So Shaggy and and Fred are basically versions of Nightwing, hmm. but like '70s costume Nightwing. Mm. And then all the women are '70s costume era Barbara Gordon or Batgirl, and um, basically Scooby is along with Ace. And it's that total hero shot where they're all leaping off a building together the way they do it. It's the most magical double page spread like I've ever nice. seen. And it was legitimately a good story too. Like it was so much fun. So should hunt that down. They also did have... a go ahead. Go ahead. Said they also did a Batman, they did a from based on the show, Batman Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. They did a team up comic in that one too, where Ace is trying to teach Scooby how to not be afraid. And there's literally the scene where like, you know, Ace like tells Scooby, he's like, Here's my secret. I'm always afraid. And Scooby's like, even Batman? He's like, especially Batman. You have to fight the fear to be a hero. I mean, it was so good. Sweet. That's sorry, pretty sorry. sweet. <laughs> um, couple Last couple things about the Scooby betrayal. It only has 25 scenarios. Um, and the matrix is different. You actually pick a mystery card that you want to kind of follow. And then when you trigger the haunt, it's one of the five or six that's on the card rather than the big matrix. Ooh. And uh-huh. uh, so, and it's a it's a smaller box. So this is only thirty dollars rather than the fifty for the original base game. Ta da! There you go. Cool. It's awesome. There's also a new Scooby Doo escape room game, but I didn't care as much about that. Like the trail is where I'm at. How well do those like at home escape rooms play? I think people seem to like them. I don't. Yeah. Uh, Man. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're just doing it in your home, it's just a timed puzzle game, right? <clears throat> yes. I mean, that makes I, sense. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe some people are better at like turning it into like a more immersive thing, especially if you have like a nice a, a room that you can kind of. <laughs> dedicate to reworking it to, to fit the theme. Yeah. My, my thing with that is that uh, like once you've solved it, it's it's done. Like, mm-hmm. right. I, mean, I know some legacy games, that's, that's the same thing, but you have like multiple games you can play mul- before the story is complete. This one, it's like, <laughs> all right, got a night of fun, uh, presumably. And now that's it. That's that's also why I'm really bummed that I've never had a chance to play all the way through or even start the Betrayal Legacy game. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. apparently once you play out the entire Legacy scenario, it then becomes a brand new version of Betrayal in the House on the Hill with all new scenarios. Right. 50. 50 new scenarios. 50. So that's crazy. Yep. But it re- that, that part of it requires you to have done the Legacy portion first. Right. Yeah. Because you're building, you're basically building the mythos that then the the new core game plays off of. Yeah, the 14 episodes that or 14 games that you play is each one adds more tile, house tiles to the game. Right. Because you only start out with, I think, 10 tiles. Because the house Cause grows every time, yeah, right? it's kind a small of. house. It didn't start out a mansion. Oh, no. It they started never... at a very, very modest home. <laughs> with two cats in the yard. 
<laughs> uh, of course, Zach says that uh, he had started it with some friends, which who then flaked on that on him for a while, and then they started to get back into it this March. Oh, oh, bummer. Yeah, I also, also like how. Go ahead, you're gonna read it. <laughs> oh, so yeah, and Norm says, "At Home Escape Room" is the name of his all violin red jumpsuit apparatus cover band. Damn, deep cut, Norm. Yeah. Red jumpsuit apparatus, damn. Now, I was going to read Norm's other comment of like, or Sack's other comment where it's like, it's a talking dog, but thumbs are where you draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is where we draw the line. <laughs> uh, and everyone was defending Velma, Velma lifts, bro. Uh, and also everyone is totally down with the idea of Fred having, uh, you know, trap playlists. So this, I mean, we'll make our own canon. That's why he's always driving. He's got to control what's on the radio. Yeah, what's the point of having that sick van if you can't make it thump? <laughs> <sighs> Maybe that's what I'll paint Krabby. Mystery machine. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's expensive, by good. the way. Mm-hmm. We talked to our mutual friend who's in our old D&D group who works on cars. Uh, he gave me a quote, and he said, P.S., that is the friend rate. I'm like, oh, that's expensive to get detailing done on cars. He's like, yes, yes, it is. You want it to look good. Yeah. <laughs> and he is very good at his job. It's, it's a vanity project at this point. Yeah. What, the, the van or his job? The van. Oh, yeah, no, totally. It's vanity. a vanity project. It's perfectly cromulent oh. the way it is. Oh. Um, at first. Mute. No, <laughs> Well, the segment's canceled. That's it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I regret nothing. Uh, well, I mean, on that note, are we are we ready to dive in? Yeah, yeah. why not? And this is the perfect place to take a quick little break and thank our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. Find them at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue here in Portland, Oregon. They are open again for in-store shopping. However, of course, because it is the, the rule and it's just the right thing to do, wear your mask when you are in there. And I know it's rough, but avoid giving Michael the hugs. There's no hugs for a while. Uh, but they have all the comics you've been looking for. Um, oh, uh, Black Magic, actually the new issue drops today. Black Ash, <laughs> Black Magic issue 12, which uh, kicks off a whole new story arc for Rowan. That is out today. So find that over at Bridge City Comics and find all kinds of amazing books. Uh, the news is broke. I think last week, uh, David, uh, David Walker's, uh, Bitter Root won the Eisner for best ongoing series. So, you know, pick up a trade of Bitter Root there. All kinds of amazing books from a lot of local creators and beyond can be found at Bridge City Comics. I do believe they are still doing online orders also, though, so you can check them out at BridgeCityComics.com. But either way, whether you're there in person or virtually, give them a big old thanks for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And then... When you're done getting your comics, pop on over to Guardian Games, our longest sponsor. Find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They are still not only the best comic book shop in town, but they are still the easiest one to get to also. Um, whether by transit or by bike or walking or car, they are super easy to find. Uh, they've got all kinds of fantastic adventures for you to help pass the COVID times. You uh, Last weekend was free RPG day. 
So they had all kinds of neat games that you could, you couldn't try out in the store, but you could grab them and then take them home. There's still no in-store gaming. But, um, yeah. They have a whole bunch of fantastic games on there. Uh, Wizard of the Coast just announced the Curse of Strahd, like, refined collector's addiction, addiction. It should be addiction. It's what it is. Comes in a coffin. Uh, you can pre-order that there, which I just did because I'm such an easy mark for all things Ravenloft. Uh, but yeah, check them out. Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Trailers, Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And then finally, before we get back to the show, a huge shout out to Nat Rep. Wow, I speaks good today. A shout out to Nat West of Reverend Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up for some equipment here so that we can have some good discussions and have some decent audio when none of us are in the same room. So a big thanks to uh, Rev Nat for helping us out there. And with that, let's get back to the show. Yeah. Uh, just imagine that we are now hearing the Metal Hobbit theme. Okay. Got it in my head. Bit of my hair. Yes. Frodo's, right. a, Frodo's a punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's just go into it then. Here we go. Warlocks. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do what? These pernicious people pursue power by pairing with preternatural patrons and paranormal pacts. Warlocks plead for a piece of phenomenal presage. For personal profit and prestige. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, friends. Warlocks, this is a class. Really quick, how hard do you work on that much alliteration? Because you've opened every one of these with that. <laughs> uh, it's usually a night. Yeah. You would, yeah. Make Stan, you would make Stan Lee very proud of that much alliteration. He's oh, like, well you. done, true believer. I was just going to oh. assume you had these in your back pocket for years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says it's about a night, but honestly, like, I think he cranks that out pretty quickly. <laughs> and then he'll, like, think of another thing and go back to it and fix it a little bit. But I think he gets the meat of it done within 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's real passion and talent, is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, these, these, this class, uh, they're, they're a talented group of folks as well. Uh, the warlocks, uh, are a bit of a conundrum though. Um, they have a unique and somewhat limiting at first glance spell selection, but a lot of depth in customization. Uh, that being said, I've never met someone who has played one and hasn't had fun. Let's go over the basics, Lindsay. Super fun. Yay. Okay, so warlock is actually basically one of my favorite classes to play. Um, on a mechanics level, it's, I would say, the easiest spellcaster to just jump in and play. Um, so while you only get, like, a handful of spells at a time, uh, you never have to juggle with, like, multiple spell slot levels, or, you know, what, what did you memorize, any of that, blah, blah, blah. You just get a list of spells, um, that you know. Uh, you don't have to worry about changing your spells daily, none of that. You just have them. Um... You also have some of the most powerful damage cantrips in the game, so um, that's good because, you know, spellcasters are uh, are not exactly meaty and, and mighty uh, physically. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the cantrips will give you that little extra boost to be, um, well, violent, which can sometimes be fun. It is for me. Um, it's cathartic. Um, so yeah, it gives you a solid, reliable option for you know some violence between your big spells. 
story-wise, I uh, love Warlocks because there's so many different ways that your PC can find yourself in the service or favor of a myriad of different uh, patrons. Um, like building those relationships can be really fun to explore. Work with your DM. There's, uh, I will often just be like, oh, what if this? Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I don't I'm not even playing a character. I just decided. Um, so that's, it's a really exciting story-wise uh, thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the nitty-gritty class features, uh, hit points are D8, which is really good for a dedicated spellcaster. Same um, as a rogue. Same as a rogue, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you're based on wisdom and charisma saves are going to be your, your, your biggest one. Um, really good for resisting mind control and paralysis, stuff like that. Um, the trade-off is, like I mentioned before, um, the physical, you're soft, a little softer. Um, light armor proficiency, simple weapons, because again, you're not getting into the physical battle. Stick to your magic-based attacks and hide behind your party's meat wall. You'll be good to go. Did you say meat wall? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Party's meat wall. Yes. Your every tank. party should have one. You tank. Mm-hmm. You keep them happy, and they stay between you and the monsters. Yes. Yeah. Very important. So at first level, you gain an otherworldly patron and pack magic. Yeah. Um, so your patrons, um, you know, they're nearly godlike in power, and they'll grant you know, their warlock uh, some arcane abilities. Uh, again, work with your DM to see if your patron expects favors in return uh, for the gifts that they bestow upon them. Bestow upon you. Uh, not even drinking tonight, folks. Um, or if they're even aware that you exist. Um, when you choose your patron at first level, you gain uh, additional options for spells um, <clears throat> based off of which uh, patron you've made a pact with. Uh, so the, uh, the first three basics, um, Archfey, which is uh, like a creature of legend from the Feywild. So they're inscrutable, occasionally whimsical. Um, they bestow spells like enchantment and teleportation and illusion stuff. Um, yeah, first level you gain the power to beguile the creatures around you so you can do uh, some fun, like, tricksy fey things. Charm folks. Charming, yes. Um, you go the other way and go a uh, fiend, which is like a demon or a devil, you struck a bargain with a powerful fiend from the lower planes. Um, this being uh, generally aims are evil. Uh, even if you might strive against those aims, again, work with your DM. Could be some really juicy plot lines there. Um, it might be an antagonistic relationship. Uh, your patron may be seeking to corrupt you with that power that they're investing within you, you know? Um, these are spells that evoke fire, dominating your enemies, that sort of thing. Um, first level, you gain temporary hit points. Each time you reduce a hostile creature to zero hit points, you just get more powerful as you destroy people yes. or creatures or whatever. Um, and then the Great Old Ones uh, is a mysterious entity um, whose nature is unknowable. Uh, Aaron's smirk. <laughs> um, so it, it might reside beyond time and space. These patrons might not even be aware of your existence or be entirely indifferent to, you know, drawing magic from its essence. You know, what what care you what an ant does with its day? Um, mm-hmm. These elder gods grant magic that affects the mind, um, calls forth darkness, and unlocks secret truths. Uh, at level one, you gain the ability to communicate telepathically. 
uh, with any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You may go insane, though. Maybe if it's just with my DMs. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the next uh, set of patrons uh, come from a couple of the other books, Xanathar's Guide, uh, and also uh, the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. But the first one uh, I'm going to talk about is the Celestial, uh, which is a power being of the upper planes, such as like an ancient Imperion, a unicorn, or a solar, which is a type of angel, has entered a pact with you. You can gain access to healing spells and other conjurations that evoke radiant light. When you choose this patron, you gain the light and the sacred flame cantrips, and you gain the ability to channel energy to heal wounds. So uh, you get a pool of D6s that you can use to heal, uh, similar to a paladin, but you can do so at range, a range of 60 feet. Uh, the amount of dice you can spend at once is equal to your charisma modifier. Um, the next one's the Hexblade. Uh, now, as Xanathar's Guide states that this pact is made by a mysterious entity from the Shadowfell, but honestly, any of these patrons listed could be the benefactor of a Hexblade. Uh, the spells that become available to a warlock through the Hexblade are more martial, speeding your movement, creating wrathful smites and shields. Um, at first level, you gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. Uh, you also gain the ability to touch a weapon you're proficient with, and when you attack with it, you can use your charisma modifier for your attack and damage rolls instead of, say, strength or dexterity. Um, you, yes? There's a question from the chat. Or, uh, with Going back to the patron relationship, with the patron relationship, is it accurate to say that warlocks don't have levels, but rather milestones? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, so that's it, that's kind of a up to the DM and the and the um, the game you're playing because mm-hmm. the spells don't really have levels. Like the spells will level with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as advancing the character itself, it's still, they're still level-based. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that was supposed to... He was making a Patreon joke. Oh. <laughs> I see. <Boo. laughs> that's, that's the last question I'm reading from him. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, jumping back in, uh, the other cool thing with the Hexblade is you get something called a Hexblade's Curse, which is a baleful curse that when put upon a creature, you get bonus damage against them, and you get to have a critical hit on a roll of a 19 or a 20, and then uh, you gain hit points when the target dies. So, uh, nice. the, yeah. Um, and then the last patron... Uh, is called The Undying. And this one is in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Um, this patron has unlocked the secrets of life everlasting and is willing to share those secrets with you. The spells you gain access to are mostly necromancy and divination in nature. Uh, you gain the Spare the Dying cantrip at first level and you gain advantage on saving throws against disease. Additionally, undead have difficulty harming you. If an undead creature targets you directly with an attack or a harmful spell, the creature has to make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC, and if they fail, they have to choose a new target or 
basically forfeit their turn. Uh, on a success, the creature is immune to this effect for 24 hours. Now, the catch is a creature is also immune to this effect if you target it with an attack or a harmful spell. So, um, that one uh, has gotten a lot of, uh, you know, flack from from people, uh, but mainly because it's so based around undead. If If you're playing a campaign that has, like, all elementals and no undead, then uh, your 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 main abilities are like nullified. So just talk to your DM about Always that. communicate with your DM. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Well, the next bit of uh, warlock labor is pack magic. Pack magic. Um, so warlock spellcasting is kind of unique, and we just touched on that a little bit. Uh, you have fewer cantrips than the sorcerer or the wizard, and fewer spell slots, um, which you know sounds rough, but um, uh, also, uh, a warlock can only cast spells at a set slot level. You can't choose to cast a first level spell at first level once your slot level selection is bumped up to second level. So, um, you want to break that down a little bit better? That's, that's, so it's basically as you're leveling up with your spells, they're going to grow with you. With, yeah, with other, with other spellcasting classes, you have like X amount of first level spells and X amount of second level spells and X amount of third level spells. As you, as you gain levels, uh, you get more spell slots in each of those, um, you know, higher level spells. With the Warlock, just your spell, you, you cast spells at first level and then eventually you cast spells at second level and then eventually you cast spells at third level. And so there's no choice, um, to, to that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I like it, uh, but I know it can be frustrating to some people. Uh, the other part that I, I like, um, that's sort of the trade-off of people that would get frustrated with that, is that Warlocks are the only class that regain all of their expended spells after a short rest. Yeah. <laughs> so they can they can keep on fighting longer. A short yeah. rest in the game is only one hour, whereas a long rest is eight hours. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so at level two you gain uh, fragments of forbidden knowledge that imbue you with fantastic powers called invocations. You get two of your choice and you continue to gain more as you level. Um, When you level up, you are allowed to switch them out and and rearrange uh, as you choose. Um, Or, you know, you're solid, you're good, whatever, but uh, it's an option. Um, Many of the invocations, uh, invocations, sorry, uh, create uh, powerful spell-like effects such as armor of shadows, which basically lets you cast mage armor for free on yourself at will. No spell slot. No spell slot. You're just done. Um, the uh, Eldred's Sight, which allows you to cast Detect, uh, detect Magic um, without expending a spell slot. Um, there's others that can add damage or conditions <clears throat> like your Eldred Blast or whatever. Uh, some that'll give additional proficiencies and skills and like even more powerful boons as you grow in strength. So it kind of flavors things. Yeah, speaking of boons, let's talk about pack boons, uh, which is what you get at third level to further specialize your warlock um, by gaining a gift from your otherworldly patron. At third level, you've uh, you've teased them uh, enough to uh, be granted a pact boon. Um, so these three are pact of the chain, pact of the blade, and pact of the tome. Uh, Pact of the Chain is... So they're all, they're all horror movie tropes. Yeah. 
basically. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Pact of the Chain, you gain a monstrous familiar. Uh, you get to learn the fine familiar spell, but in addition to the normal animals that you can summon through that spell, like, you know, bat, cat, frog, what have you, uh, you can have your familiar be an imp, a pseudo-dragon, a closet, or a sprite. And you can forego an attack in combat to allow for your familiar to make Cable, has a, qu- Cable has a question. Yeah. I, I was going to wait till it, he He's good at acknowledging. That's why I raised my hand. Oh, <laughs> What's a closet? Ooh, a closet <laughs> is one of, one of my favorite monsters in the monster manual. Um, a closet is uh, a demon. It is uh, very much like an imp. But imps are devils, quasits are demons. They're different. Um, but quasits are, are, are little, little rascals. They, um, they are kind of like gremlins. Uh, they like to cause mischief and mayhem. Um, we made one follow my character around for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. It thought it was helpful. It was. It was very helpful. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it can it can do things like um, uh, take the form of mundane creatures. Uh, a closet can turn into a bat, a toad, or a centipede. Um, it can become invisible, and it also has uh, an ability to impose the fear condition on a target once a day. So it's like this little guy, and it can go like ah, and like scare someone. Uh, <laughs> it's helpful. Magically uh- compulsive to run away. Um, they also have they both. Uh, uh, it, it also has magic resistance and resistance to some elements and non magical attacks. So mm. they're actually kind of kind of beefy, um, and they can really um, uh, be useful in in a fight. Um, so I, I appreciate that Aaron put a link in the chat, and uh, it it does it does look like a gremlin. Yeah, I'm also me. realizing now that wasn't me. I think me. every comment is from me. Yeah. Yeah, on this uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. stream server thing. Some, somebody did the thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was me! Oh, it was you. Me. <laughs> Thank you, Bean. Thank uh, you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those guys are great. Uh, Bean, is the, Bean is the male Aaron now. <laughs> no, female hey, Aaron. I, Never mind. I also realized that I'm looking at, at the Warlock class on D&D Beyond. I could have just followed the link to see what the closet was. But I also like asking questions. I like, I like having get very animated. Yeah. Um, so the next uh, pact is the Pact of the Blade. Um, the Pact of the Blade is you can use uh, your action to create a pact weapon in your empty hand. So you summon a blade. Uh, you choose uh, the form of this melee weapon each time you summon it. And while you wield it, you are proficient with it. So... Um, that gets overlooked sometimes, even though a warlock's uh, proficiency with, with weapons is pretty limited. Like, with Pact of the Blade, you can suddenly be um, proficient with um, a martial weapon, so long as it's that one specifically. Um, the weapon also counts as magical, and it disappears if it's more than five feet away from you for one minute or more. Um, and as you adventure, you can... If you find, if you come across a, a magical weapon like a, you know, plus two long sword or something like that, um, you can turn that into your packed weapon. Um, the only exclusions are for artifacts and sentient weapons. 
do the abilities stack once you if you have if you find a stronger magical weapon and then make it your packed weapon? Um. So, if what do you mean? <clears throat> Do you get, I mean, is there a bonus by, say you already, so say if you find a sword plus two, yeah, and you make it your packed weapon, does that beef it up at all, or is it just? Uh, not initially. Okay. Um, I believe at higher levels, yes. I can, I can check. That's right. But, that's right. but yeah, um, it, uh, I believe so. Um, the last one uh, is the Pact of the Tome. This is the one that I play the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you're you're uh, you're you're a spookier wizard with Pact of the Tome. You're given a grimoire called the Book of Shadows, and when you gain this feature, you choose three cantrips from any class's spell list. Uh, while the book is on your person, you can cast these cantrips at will. If you lose it, you can create a new one by performing a ceremony for one hour, and the old book is destroyed. Some cantrips uh, I would recommend, if you're thinking about going this route, are Guidance from the Cleric uh, 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 list, Shillelagh from the Druid list, or Vicious Mockery from the Bard. Um, Vicious Mockery is a favorite of mine. Yes. I'm a big fan of Shillelagh. I'm shocked. Right? Right? And that's Warlocks. Vicious, um, ma- vicious Mockery has uh, messed up many a DM's early level attacks. <laughs> Someone in an old campaign maybe took out like four goblins all at once from Vicious Mockery. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vicious Mockery is great. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's, uh, that's Warlocks. Uh, I was thinking about characters you could use to base a Warlock off of, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So here's a few... Tell me, tell me what you guys think of them. So, first one that came to mind, obviously, was Raven from Teen Titans. Back to the Tome. Uh, her her uh, patron is uh, uh, the Fiend, her dad. Trigon. Uh, Trigon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, I also thought Squirrel Girl would be an Archfey Pack to the Chain. And Tippy Toe would be an imp that changes into a squirrel instead of a rat. Okay. So. <laughs> she'd be a gnome so she can already talk. Yeah. So she'd be able to talk to other woodland people. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was, good. That was the next touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the character Steven Universe would be a celestial patron, packed with ah. the um, The rest of the crystal gems would be Hexblade. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Uh, Steven Universe is the only one that can can heal, and that's what the Celestial <clears throat> shield. What? Oh, I, I saw I saw Cable shaking his head. I, I did because Norm posted vicious mockery is the name of my all recorder Spinal Tap cover band. <laughs> it sure is, Norm. <laughs> He's so good at that. Yes. Okay. I'm trying to think uh, of other good warlock Sa- examples. Sack just asked, uh, "What warlock? Uh, what would warlock from New Mutants be?" And Cable said he wouldn't be. He's a non-warlock. He's a machine. Magic, mm-hmm. however, would be a warlock. Yes, yeah, from the New Mutants. A warlock. He's definitely a warlock. I'm not as familiar with the specifics on that one. Like... Magic is uh, Peter Rasputin's younger sister. Colossus, yep. 
Um, her mutant power is opening portals, which has nothing to do with the fact that she's also... The portal that she opens is usually... Like, she can portal from uh, point A to point B, but the trick is, is the space in between point A and point B <laughs> limbo, where demons live. Right. Oh, and is- so by passing through there all the time, they went, hey, no, this is, no, uh-uh, you don't get to do this. And at some point along the way, she picked up a demon sword and um, became known as the Hell Child and kind of took over. Yeah, like literally sometimes Hellfire follows her through a portal. Yep. Like just like residual, like when she closes it, like there's a bit of... Well, then, I think like in the late 90s, I think there was actually a joke because it used to be when Nightcrawler would bamp, there was a smell of sulfur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a joke in the late 90s X-Men where he literally looks at her and says, well, at least when I do it, it is the natural sulfur, not evil. Because, <laughs> you know, Nightcrawler. Right, yeah. right. I love Nightcrawler so much. Uh, I would, if I wanted to make a character uh, based off of magic from the New Mutants, I would make her a tiefling warlock with the fiend, pa- uh, fiend patron um, and pack to the blade then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I would do. Uh, because tieflings have an ability called Hellish Rebuke, which lets them, at a reaction, uh, cast <clears throat> fire out uh, if they get hit. And if you take a misty step, um, you could absolutely flavor that to be like you're, you're jumping through a you know, a, a, a gate through one of the nine hells instead of the Feywild or whatever. So, yeah, yeah that's that's what I'd do for that one. Yeah. Ugly. But uh, I'm, I'm curious about your question, Aaron. Okay. Well, the whole time, let's think about, I'm trying to think of other pop culture characters. Go ahead. I was going to say uh, Sabrina Spellman in, like, the modern iteration uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that this is the case for the, um, you know, the Archie Horror comic series uh, franchise, uh, that this is also the case, but I haven't read those, so I'm just going to go off of uh, stuff from the, the Chaos television series. Mm-hmm. She's she's always making deals with entities more powerful than herself in order to, to gain some of that power and, and accomplish whatever she's trying to accomplish. Yeah. Fact of the tone. Yeah, the new books are also, you're right, Bean. The Chilling Adventure comics, that's very much her, her basically oh, yeah. her ability now. I know. Impact of the Tome sounds the most appropriate. I know we've mentioned, I feel like we've mentioned John Constantine before, but he feels more like a warlock because all of his powers always have a price. They always are him tapping into something else. Right. I, I also thought of him <clears throat> because he's, he's beholden to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he is. Everyone wants a pizza, John. <laughs> he has so. definitely used the the concept to his advantage, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, but it, but it is still you know packs multiple packs <clears throat> um, a day. <laughs> I, I know he's also more of a, a cultural character as well as a you know mythological persona, but um, the the concept of Baron Samedi would maybe fall under uh, the warlock. Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to be also want to be sensitive about that because I know he is that is an actual icon within uh, yeah. voodoo and hoodoo religions. 
I think if if Barron's well, I would I would I would think someone would make their own like Baron Samedi would be a patron. Uh, okay, that actually makes more sense. You make the pact with the Baron. Actually, I would, with him. I would set it up that way. Yeah, and, yeah. and maybe maybe go with uh, kind of a uh, kind of archfey maybe or yeah, um, kind of trickster. Or maybe maybe but... kind of a pact of the undying. Actually, okay. Which side note: the villain of Princess and the Frog is one of the most underrated villains of Disney. Yes. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, though speaking of Disney, what would because Maleficent draws her powers from the Fae realm. I have Maleficent. seen her listed as a pop culture warlock. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nice. She is Fae, though. Yeah. She is a fairy. Yeah. I yeah, mean, she is. That's true. If you no. want to be a Maleficent, I would say uh, use a Eladrin elf base or, uh, or maybe even the Shattered High um, and then go pack <laughs> the yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can but, do that. Oh! Her is, she's not, like, she isn't beholden to any higher, not. you know, godlike entity or, or I, powerful entity. She, again, I like what I like what Sack of the Chat just wrote. He said, before they eliminated the countdown, um, Spawn from Image Comics. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because he drew all his power from Malbosia. Like, yes. all of it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, did someone just crash outside your house, people? Uh, someone peeled out. Oh. I don't know what that was all about. <clears throat> Gee, sorry about that. That's yeah, okay. Spawn really fits. So I really want to put together a character that is um, basically like a magical sugar baby. Like, possibly in, a, in some sort of relationship with a higher being and is getting um, these, these boons like uh, as a like if the uh, the elder being is like my sugar daddy, and being almost hapless about it, <laughs> that the patron's almost hapless about it. Well, that that the character, the PC, would be almost hapless about it, and is like, it's fine, he'll fix it. Voila. sugar baby. Oh, like you know what? The town guard's after us. Okay, give me a minute. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. That's, um, I started thinking about um, one of the characters from uh, the Kieran Gillen uh, comic book, Die. Uh, you know how it's a sort of like D&D, but it, it's, it's sort of its own version. Um, and so there's the character who's called the Godbinder. Mm. And all of her power comes from uh, calling up whatever deity fits best. Uh, and basically... Like, literally going, like, okay, what's it going to cost me for you to help out with this particular situation? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's... Um, it's, it's a very, very transactional um, system in, in this particular case. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it generally fits yeah, the, uh, the archetype. Yeah. Uh, and to answer your question, Aaron, uh, yes, there are a number of uh, in- invocations that you can take if uh, you have the pack of the blade that can do <clears throat> like um, give you two attacks uh, on your turn, or um, there's another one that's Eldritch Smite. That uh, when you hit a creature with your packed weapon, you can expend a spell slot to deal uh, additional damage. Um, so, and you can knock it back. So, like, 
depending on what your what your pact is and what your level's at, yeah, your your power definitely increases. I yeah, I've only for all the years I've been playing because the warlock was introduced in three five initially. Yeah. So three five was what two thousand two two thousand three. So <clears throat> I and since that character was introduced, I have only played one warlock, like ever. Hmm. And it was when, um, and it was right before COVID hit. It was in the Orcs, 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 like, pub game. I played in Warlock there, and I had so much fun. Like, the I character was... I was excitedly about all I was, the games you got to it. I was so excited. I just, I based him on Doc Holliday from Tombstone. Like, specifically Val Kilmer's portrayal of Doc Holliday in Tombstone. <laughs> Where, like, literally he kept a deck of cards because one day he was going to have to play his patron... You know, at the end of the day, when, when his time finally came, there was going to be one more game. Um, and I would really love to play a Warlock again, like in a more long-term campaign. There's so much fun with them. Mm-hmm. There's so much fun to play. And you can do so many neat things with uh, the story um, of just like, when is your patron going to call in a favor? When is enough going to be enough? Uh, is it going to... Like, are you always going to be following along with your patron going, yeah, you have to do that. When are you going to be pushed to do something that is, you know, beyond what you thought you Outside of your moral boundaries. Yeah. Right. I'm always, I'm never not thinking about the Dresden Files. And I know (laughs) I've brought this up on multiple uh, installments of Building Character but the warlock is actually the most apropos in terms of like pack building and like bringing in the fae. Like they actually include the characters, um, Tatiana, like from the Summer Court, and um, the the Lianchi, All of those characters are like directly involved uh, in those stories, and he owes all of them favors, or yeah. sometimes they owe him a favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's it's really fun and um, like as a DM, uh, it's it's enjoyable because like yeah, you can, you know, depending on on what's going on, of course, always like make sure you you have a understanding with your with your player or whatever that like, you know, if you, you so you don't pull something on them that uh, that surprises them too much. Like no one likes being like, okay, I summon my pack blade, and you're like, nope, you don't. Because remember, your patron said, uh, don't leave this town until everybody only ate the, the flesh of fish and not the flesh of pig or, or, or cow. And you didn't do that. So no, it doesn't appear in your hand. Um, like, make sure you know your, your player to be like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, what have I done? Instead of like, really? really? <laughs> Really, Greg? Awesome. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to get a drink because my character can't do shit now. Like, a very important conversation to have yeah. uh, with, with like a session zero. Um, yeah, warlocks are, are really fun to fuck with if you've got the right attitude and, yeah. and understanding. I can, uh, I can picture a lot of sort of like loophole situations. I'm like, ah, no, I got you. Type right. of, uh, situations yeah. it kind of reminds me of um so the the miniature game war machine mm-hmm. it also started as a role-playing game and they had this really cool um kind of 
sub-rule within that role claim game is that if you were a cleric of a certain god, if you were using your healing spells of a, on a character or an NPC who was diametrically opposed to that religion, the god would actually punish you for casting it. Yeah. Of like, wait, you're going to waste my powers on the enemy? So even if you were like, you were a merciful character, because in War Machine, the whole idea is that the gods were like shitty and petty. So they like, like worked into the mechanic and it was a really fun way to play that off. And I can see you doing that with your patron with a warlock too, if you're a cruel DM or a fun DM. Yeah. I mean, the Fae are known to be, I was going to say capricious. Um, I was going to go with Trixie. And Trixie, yeah, like, so they could be like, no, I don't like that. That's, that's, I've decided I do not care for that guy, or that color, or whatever. So what I want you to do is get rid of him this way. Hmm. Or, you know, whatever. Well, you plus within what? the, the fa- I don't know if they work, if they have it in, like, the D&D rules, but I'm sure, like, the DM... If you have the Fae patron, you can decide, okay, are they Seelie or Unseelie, and how is that going to affect... The, the <laughs> Queen of Air Darkness is listed <laughs> as uh, a potential uh, uh, patron, um, and she's uh, the, the, the Queen of the Unseelie Court, and, and of course Queen Titania and her consort King Oberon uh, are also listed as potential Archfey. Yeah, they could demand you know strange offerings. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Greg was DMing a game with um, a warlock that he was having. She needed to make people have nightmares yeah. in the town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just however she figured that out, she had to do it. Um, but that's what her, her patron demanded of her was cause nightmares in this town. Just because... Mm-hmm. There was, there was, there was. Yeah, three. I think capricious is exactly the right word. Yeah, for anything having to do with the Fey. Yeah, it's why you neither ever piss off the Fey or find yourselves indebted to them. Nope. Never like avoid avoid making agreements with them as much as possible. Oh my gosh, I, I, uh, I got a, a brief story when I was uh, last summer when I was doing uh, um, a LARP camp with a, a group of kids. I, I played as. Uh, uh, um, a fae, uh, the queen of air and darkness, uh, and they they came they came to see me because they had a question because one of the other instructors who was an elf uh, was kind of in in deep deep trouble with her, and so they were they were asked like they were coming to beseech her and ask for help, and uh, one of the kids like I I turned to him I was like I'm sorry can I have your name. They were like, um, it's, it's, you know, like, rock, Roxer. Like, oh, I'm sorry, can I, can I have that one more time? Roxer? A little deaf, my dear. Give me your name once more, a little louder. Ro- Roxer. Thank you. And, uh, no longer have a name. <laughs> and, and she took his name. <laughs> Actually, like, that particular kid I found out later, like, I was like, all right, so, after after the scene happened and they were able to, to help, um, they uh, I was like, okay, so she took your name. Uh, so when when people talk to you and stuff, they're not going to say Roxer. They're going to say like my fellow torchlighter or my friend, or uh, they'll find other names. Uh, but Roxer is Roxer's name has been taken, and it turns out um, uh, 
that was that was a little that was a little too much for this like <laughs> old kid. Like his his character lost his name, and he he was uh, actually had had a bit of a bit of a tough time uh, on the ride back. It's like my character's name is gone. They're just calling me R, or they're calling me Fortune. <laughs> my name is gone. So anyway, we worked it into the story that she that that he got it back. So uh, you never give up your true name. Exactly, and and everyone was like, "We talked about this before, remember?" <laughs> oh, that's the worst part. Uh, it's like I know. I just got really. <laughs> that's actually how I amuse myself at work. So my mundane job, I'm a receptionist, and so I ask for people's names all the time, and I like to try to ask for them to give it to me, <laughs> just that, because it yeah. just it pleases me yeah. to do it. I don't want your damn name, but I want to see if you'll give it to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure you don't want it for any particular reason at all. <laughs> I want it in their names. They're calling me because they are in trouble. <laughs> I don't want their trouble. <laughs> I mean, it can always get worse. Just because someone's on hard times doesn't mean you can't get something out of them. True. But, yeah, it just, it, it pleases me to do. You're like, oh, sure, give me your name. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Being what you just described was capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a patron. That could be a warlock. <laughs> capitalism. I, we've I mean, given plenty to that I, patron. I, I, yeah. struggle, I struggle with my own indoctrination every day, friend. <laughs> now, would, would capitalism be a business a, warlock? Would it be a, a great old one, uh, a fiend, or an archfey, or a. Uh, uh, no, it's a bloated, self-important new guy. <laughs> uh, also, backing up, Lindsay, I'm already a techno witch, so I can't also be a business warlock. <laughs> or can I? Multiclass. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've never multiclassed before. I mean, you progress a little slower, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. But it would make me a little bit more, um, what's the word? Faceted? Spooky. Rounded? Jazz hands. More diverse, more diverse in my skills, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It would be it would be the very Gemini thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now I have to get new business cards made up. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, cool. I hope that this. Uh... It encourages folks to try try their hand at the warlock. Um, I, yeah. I definitely want to play it again. I just need someone to run a D and D game for me. He says, staring at a co-host. Mm-hmm. I haven't played nearly enough to be at a point where I'm ready for. <laughs> you know what? I played like one game before I was thrust into becoming a DM. And it wasn't even a good character. I just basically created. Matter. I just created Nightwing. Yeah. <laughs> of course, but it doesn't did. matter how how much you've. Played. You're never going to be ready. Like it's just like you already are. Like like you're you're. I've seen you play as as the characters that you've you've been in the games we've been together in together. Yeah, you just do that, but like you know, on a on a kind of micro and macro scale because you're playing a bunch of little characters that uh, is true being a dm is the ultimate business coordinator it's true don't try to play 
into uh, my yeah. interests mm-hmm. like right. that. But it really is. It takes a lot of organizing and note-taking and spreadsheets. Uh, if I, you want it to. I have DMing and D&D skills uh, a little a little futzed, but uh, definitely on my CV. Yeah. I <laughs> would take a look at that. I, I, w- I would like to see what that looks like on your on your CV. Organizing organizing a team of people across time zones. Um. <laughs> I applied for a job at uh, Xbox once as like one of the uh, like a creative position, and I knew that like I was vastly underqualified or experienced for it. So I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna have fun with it." I turned my resume into a D and D sheet, nice. <laughs> and they did write back to me saying. You're not qualified, but we wanted to write you because uh, well done on the resume design. That was fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, I, th- I think that doing like creating uh, a resume that looks like a char- character sheet would require like way too many like finite pieces of information. It took a lot and, of work. And all of my all of my stuff all of my st- all of the stuff on my resume is very like. Ooh, I did this thing. I just like, I, I use a lot of big words and make it sound way more complicated than I think it is. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I spent way too much time on energy on a resume that I knew wasn't going to get me hired. Like, I spent days laying out on Photoshop creating this. this yeah. <laughs> if um, I had to put that much work into real job hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, but actual way, really job quick, hunting sucks. Meet with uh, coworkers co- for weekly creative and uh, creativity and conflict resolution exercises. Uh, gain necessary experience that promoted character and skill growth. Learn to quickly assess the proper tools to resolve situations. <laughs> yeah, These are all very very strong. Formulate action plans and execute. I encourage character building scenarios and employ positive reinforcement. None of that's wrong. Yeah. Those are all skills a DM must have. Yeah. By the way, Courtney says that uh, Business Warlock is an unreleased RZA album. <laughs> He's scary yeah. good at that, by the way. I kind of feel like like a major record label should just hire Norm for when a band says, this is what we're calling her album. And they're like, uh, it's not going to sell. And they just like Norm like freelances and just yeah. comes up with album names. <laughs> Like so, like a session musician, but for album titles. But for but for copy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you call yourselves? Uh, we're the, we're the three. You know, we're the we're the three pickers, and you're like, that's a horrible name. No, that's a horrible name. Get in here, and then like he comes up with a better name for them. He's like, you are business warlock. The uh, <laughs> yeah yeah we are. It yeah. has to be in the right place at the right time with the right executives. <laughs> who can see him do this and go, oh, okay. Because otherwise, that's incredibly difficult to show It's a, it's a tough pitch. Yeah. It's like, this is what I do. Well, um, convincing a CEO of anything that's creative is a tough pitch. Sure. That's why you have to have the right blend of executives that go, oh, man, that that guy. Give him... Sorry, we're about to say the right blends of herbs and spices. Just... Yes. <laughs> well, he can do that, too. He's good at yes. barbecue. <laughs> Part of a Facebook group that's just called Thanks, that's my band name now. And uh, it's just. Oh, don't let Norman, he'll take it over. Yeah, yeah. Sure <laughs> of he's probably that. already the moderator. Whatever. Yeah. He's probably a moderator. 
Could be. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for the warlock. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Thank you so much for having uh, us again. We've missed you. Yeah, what class was also, I think, like, the fastest uh, building character we've ever done. It was. It was very streamlined. It was. It was good. Thank They've you. all been good, but this was good. <laughs> very, very efficient. Uh, what uh, what character classes are left? Well, uh, we have uh, the paladin. Um, oh and, shit! Uh, we also have. Uh, I miss my big. Awesome paladin. She was the best. Still my favorite character. We've got we've got uh, the ones we haven't done yet are um, Remember when this was it was just twelve of them, we were just gonna get it all done last year. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well that we fell off that wagon pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Life happened and stuff got weird. Yeah. Okay, so I think. Remember last month when it lasted 300 days? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've done Bard yet, um, or Monk, or Paladin. I think that's it. Hmm. We've done Wizard, Warlock. No, we haven't done Sorcerer either. Here we go. I, uh, I think I can, I can list all of them. Uh... Rangers, yep. Berserker, yep. Druids, Berserker, clerics. Berserker, Barbarian. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what you titled it, so don't look at me. Wizard, we've done Wizard. Uh, we did the Fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done Thief. Oh, and now I'm looking at 2010 stuff, so uh, I didn't see Thief on there. We did rogue. We did rogue. Oh, okay. I've already lost track of what I said. I, that was on. That was on you guys to keep track of. Oh, sure. No, we've done wizards oh, we because wizards. we sure. did. We did the first four, uh, which That's was right. the the fighter, cleric, wizard, and uh, and rogue. And then we've done uh, after we did those four, we did uh, barbarians, druids, uh, rangers, and. Uh, warlocks. So what's left is sorcerers, paladins, monks, and bards. And that makes 12? Yeah. Alright, here's how we figure out the next one that we do. Are you going to roll for it? Yeah. Uh, So monk is one, paladin is two, uh, sorcerer is three, bard is four. Got a d4 here. Three. Sorcerer. All right. All right. Done and done. Here we go. Sorcerer. Awesome. Well, we'll see right. you next time with uh, building character on sorcerers. Yeah. We'll figure out a date soon. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, I don't think we have any special plans for next week, do we? I mean, we'll we have the show, but... We don't have anything planned. Maybe I'll reach out to that certain Australian artist. Uh, oh, yeah, that sounds like see a good if, idea. See if he can join. That was fake. Was, yeah. We've literally only talked about one Australian artist on the show. so. Which is a shame. I only know of one. 
<laughs> I mean, sure like we should we should like expand our Australian horizons. If you are an Australian or New Zealand comic book artist, reach out uh, gitcradio at gmail dot com. Uh, if you're a fun person, maybe we'll have you on the show. I, that, I mean, that's all I got on that one. That is all. Also, Australia only has one horizon. We only ever have one horizon. But who said horizon? I did. Oh. It's like a, like a minute ago. I didn't understand what that meant, though, so that's why I couldn't figure out what you meant. It's not important. <laughs> yeah, but their horizon um, goes the other direction. Fact. Yeah. Do you know the toilets actually don't swirl the other way? That's a complete fallacy. The, wa- the water does not go the other way south of the no. equator. But you yeah. know, I believe that until like my mid-20s. Yeah, that was a really disappointing thing. For me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I heard about that as a child, and I don't know that I ever really thought about it again. I mean, it just made sense. That That's why I didn't question it. It made water. sense. It would it would go the other direction. I yeah, mean, that it. and drop bears. Yeah. Logical. Drop bears will fucking kill you. But, like, think about it. Why does it... What What makes it make sense? Nothing. It was just, It's child logic. Nothing, because when you grow up in America... Because you look at the same globe and the same map your entire life. We are north, they are south, even though that is completely irrelevant when it comes to space. Yeah. I yes. mean, there is, there is a north and south in terms of celestial things because we have the poles and gravity. But once you get out in space, you have to create the Z, Y, and X axis. But it, it, it's like that episode of West Wing where that guy shows up and tries to get the United States to quit using the Mercadian... Uh, map or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he spreads the map out about how the Earth actually looks, but he also also flips it over so that like Africa is like and South America is on quote top. Actually, I think it's Doctor Flox. That the actor. W- it is. Wait, it is. That him. would be weird. If you put well, because oh, I'm sorry, you flip it this way. Yeah. Not so, like. So the act the what the actress she's like she's like also like. Why is it? Why is the map upside down? He's like, there's no upside down in space. What does it matter? What this looks like? And she says, because it's freaking me out. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it's John's Billings. John Billingsley is the yep. the cartographer that's trying to get the United States to change how maps are laid out. By by turning it the other way around. Well, and he also shows the actual size because the current map we use mm-hmm. gives shows. It, it basically, because, and there's a reason why you do it that way for navigation, especially like back before there was fucking GPS, you needed that. But it also, on a social and mental level, makes us think that continents like Africa are not as important as places like Russia or the United States, because the way the map lays out, the United States looks to be like three quarters of the size of Africa when it's like not. You can fit mm-hmm. all of, I think, North America, Europe, and like parts of India all on the African continent because it's massive. Mm-hmm. But because of the way the map is laid, and also like Greenland, Greenland's not that big. I think it's like the size of like Oregon. But the way the map stretches out, the farther on the poles you get, it, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm trying to like zoom out of this world map as much as possible. Oh yeah, Greenland looks enormous. Yeah, and it's really not. Yeah, if you um, you know, if you if you just 
right? Like, what should the map of the world look like? Uh, it has the um, uh, has a really good um, image, and it's weird looking at it because it's like the United States isn't straight up and down; it's off at a jaunty angle, and yeah, uh, like, and it's not in the center; it's off to the side, and it's like well. It's, and- and there's like weird little things like you look at Europe and Europe looks huge and you know, Europe's big, whatever. But like, you also got to realize that the same amount of time it takes you to drive from like the Northern California border to like the Mexico border, you can cross like half of Europe in the same amount of time. Like it's just. Yeah, with, with the map we have now. So like I'm just on Google Maps and I like just zoomed all the way out so I can see everything. You absolutely can fit the entire North American continent into Africa. Yeah, Africa's huge. You'd have to like push all those other like North North Islands like kind of squish them together. Well, yeah, you got to Pangea, so they all sort of fit together like puzzle pieces anyway. Yeah, and like Russia's not as big as the map makes it look. Like Russia's. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. Nope. Yeah, it does look enormous. It, de- yeah. it definitely looks bigger than the United States. Yeah, it's, I don't think it is. According to this map, you could fit all of the other European countries, all of the Middle Eastern and Asian countries in there, and probably still have plenty of room for most of Africa. Yep. Yep. Well, maps are stupid. <laughs> our, ma- our maps are stupid. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. All in a centric maps are stupid. Yeah. Also, I think uh, Australia and the United States are physically the same size, like land mass. Cool. And see that I can easily agree with based on the current map right. illustration. Anyway. It's a weird, so weird note to end on. So weird. I was going to say, a weird way to wrap up the show. Well, D&D. There's a lot Carto- of... Cartographers in the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember reading the original D&D handbook. It was like, make your players draw their own maps. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not like necessarily uh, overarching like world maps, but like if you're right. in the dungeon... Like having a cartographer, yeah. that like drew out the map was yeah. The old D and D rule books literally said like have someone who is good at cartography, and the DM it's your job to adequately explain the room so they draw it correctly. Actually, I know I scoffed at that at first, but I would love that job. Up until know. because it's diagramming. Yeah, you describe it, and I make the diagram. And I like to be very precise in my diagram. All right. You know what? You say that now, but our next Ravenloft game, I'm going to throw that to you. I'm just going to describe the room, and you're if on If you your put own. me in charge of the map stuff, then I'm just going to go to that other website that you keep not getting to and learn how to do that, and I'll make the maps with that. How dare you? Up until very, very recently, I always had some graph paper in with my D&D stuff just out of habit. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, that would that would be an alternative. It's like if we didn't have the technology to use online maps, I guess, online D&D maps, but you wanted me to draw the map that you described, I would just like get another camera and like bust <laughs> out my graph paper. It's a good idea. It's actually kind of fun. I I've, I've I've done it with a group uh as well like yeah. uh 
I, I described the room and I mentioned like, all right, so it's, you know, 30 feet. If the room is 15 feet wide by 30 feet long and it's got sconces and blah, 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 or whatever, like, and, Ooh, and sconces. sconces on the wall. Oh, yeah. I'm sc- already, I'm already like mentally mm. counting the boxes. Sconces and brazers, just lights all over the place. Yeah. I like a well-lit dungeon. You know why? Because it means there's something living down there. Yeah. I like a good shadowy dungeon. There's something living down there, but you shouldn't be down there bugging it. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, I feel like we should wrap up the show this week. Greg and Lizzie, thank you again for another wonderful installment of Bearded Character. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess all I've left to say is that uh, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Ben Arena. I'm Cable Hashitani. And remember, Ted Wheeler, you need to fucking resign. Bye.